Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Donovan. The Evidence-Based Hair Podcast is produced by the Donovan Hair Academy. It was created for the hair loss practitioner and all those who wish to dive in to the fascinating world of hair loss. Each week, I review studies that are changing how we think about hair loss. I'll introduce them to you, help you make sense of them, and give you my thoughts on just how a given study might change how we diagnose or treat hair loss. Today it's my great pleasure to review a number of studies related to oral minoxidil. That's our theme for today. I'll begin with a very nice study by Ong et al. in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology in October. The authors reviewed 151 patients, both male and female, that were treated with oral minoxidil And the authors here were looking at how blood pressure changed or did not change with the use of oral minoxidil. They measured blood pressures before and after starting oral minoxidil, a mean dose in females of 1.9 milligrams per day and a mean dose in males of 2.1 milligrams per day. Systolic blood pressure stayed the same before and after starting oral minoxidil, and diastolic blood pressure did for the most part as well, except in males age 35 to 49, where it dropped a slight amount, 3 millimeters of mercury. But all in all, very minimal changes with the use of oral minoxidil. And we'll go on to look at another nice study by Imhoff and colleagues in JAD International in August, looking again at low-dose oral minoxidil here exclusively in females. A small study of 25 female patients with a mean age of 61 treated with oral minoxidil 0.625 milligrams, 1.25 milligrams, or 2.5 milligrams. 36% of patients had an improvement with oral minoxidil. Blood pressures changed. They dropped 3 millimeters of mercury systolic, 1.4 millimeters of mercury diastolic, and heart rate increased by about four beats per minute. We'll take a look at this nice study by Imhoff and colleagues and how it compared to another nice study of female patients by Ramos in 2020. And finally, we'll take a look at a very nice study by Jimenez, August 2023 in Actus Cephaliographicus. The authors here set out to evaluate the use of oral minoxidil in patients with hypertension as well as arrhythmia. 254 patients with hypertension, 10 patients with arrhythmia. I really like this study. A large proportion of the population, as you know, has hypertension. So how should we be using oral minoxidil in patients with hypertension? Very much needed study. Oral minoxidil was well tolerated in this study. Lightheadedness occurred in 3% of patients, fluid retention in 3%, malaise, fatigue, headaches in a very small proportion of patients. The authors showed that patients that were using three or more blood pressure medications, as well as patients using doxazosin as a blood pressure medication, 
with oral minoxidil were the most likely group of patients to need to stop the drug. But compared to patients in the general population that aren't experiencing hypertension, low-dose oral minoxidil was pretty well tolerated, and it was really only a very slight increase in the proportion of patients experiencing lightheadedness and fluid retention that was seen compared to those in the general population. And the authors conclude with some nice recommendations on how should we go about treating patients with hypertension who are going to be starting oral minoxidil, and we'll take a look at this very nice study together. The references for all these studies are in the show notes that accompany this episode. And again, this podcast was created for educational purposes and shouldn't be considered a substitute for medical advice. So let's begin then by talking about studies related to oral minoxidil and how it affects blood pressure, both blood pressure in women and blood pressure in men. We'll begin by a nice study by Ong and colleagues in the JAD, October 2023, titled Low-Dose Oral Minoxidil for Androgenetic Alopecia is Not Associated with Clinically Significant Blood Pressure Changes, a Retrospective Study. And that title pretty much summarizes the key conclusions of this paper. Now, prior studies that we've reviewed on the Evidence-Based Hair podcast have looked at the effect of oral minoxidil on blood pressure in patients with androgenetic hair loss. And I'd just like to remind you about these nice studies. We reviewed two studies in the past, one by Sanabria in 2022 and a nice study also by Jimenez Kahi in 2022. So let's take a look at the study by Sanabria et al. in the JAD in 2022, and then we'll take a look at the study by Jimenez in 2022, and then we'll dive into these new studies. Sanabria set out to look at how oral minoxidil affects blood pressure and heart rate, and they did this by measuring blood pressure and heart rate in males using oral minoxidil at the beginning of treatment and then at 24-week time point. Sanabria's study in 2022 had 34 male patients aged 21 to 58. They didn't have any cardiovascular disease. They were healthy patients. None of these patients experienced hypotension with oral minoxidil 5 milligrams, but systolic blood pressure dropped 3 millimeters of mercury over that 24-week evaluation period. Diastolic blood pressure dropped 2 millimeters of mercury, and these were statistically significant. There was no change in mean heart rate, and patients tolerated the medications quite well. Jimenez Kahi had another nice study last year in the JAD, again looking at how 5 milligrams of oral minoxidil affects blood pressure in healthy males. Jimenez looked at 10 patients measuring blood pressure at baseline, and then every two to four hours after starting five milligrams. The authors looked at systolic blood pressure, diastolic blood pressure, and heart rate. The mean age of patients in that study was 27.8 years. There was no statistically significant change in 
mean systolic blood pressure, mean diastolic blood pressure, or mean heart rate. But two hours after starting a five milligram dose, there was a slight drop in diastolic blood pressure in males receiving five milligrams. Blood pressure went from 77 millimeters of mercury to 72 millimeters of mercury. There was a slight reduction in systolic blood pressure, but it wasn't significant. No changes in heart rate in that Jimenez study. No real significant differences after the four-hour time point. So the slight drop in diastolic blood pressure at two hours, but it was well tolerated in these young patients. No episodes of tachycardia. Those Sanabria et al. studies from 2022 and the Jimenez study from 2022 are so important to know about. These are the these are the backbones of our blood pressure studies. And here today I'm reviewing new studies addressing oral minoxidil and blood pressure. So now we have Ong et al. in the October issue of JAD. These are authors from Weill Cornell. And they set out to examine blood pressure changes after oral minoxidil use. Instead of 34 patients, like Sanabria studied, instead of 10 patients, like was studied in Jimenez 2022, we have 151 patients in this new study. 60% female, mean age 49, range of ages from 18 to 81. I think it's really, really important as we go about looking at data for oral minoxidil to really pay attention to older age groups. I think it's really important because in my practice, patients in the 60s, 70s, and 80s haven't tolerated oral minoxidil quite as well as younger patients. So I'm really interested when I see a range from 18 to 81. The mean dose in this study was 1.9 milligrams in females and 2.1 milligrams in males. Blood pressures were measured before starting oral minoxidil and then after starting oral minoxidil. The key point of this paper is that systolic blood pressures by age or sex were similar before and after starting oral minoxidil. The diastolic blood pressures were pretty similar as well, except in males age 35 to 49 where there was a statistically significant decrease in diastolic blood pressure from 81 to 78, so 3 millimeters of mercury. But the authors said this is statistically significant, but not clinically significant. No patient experienced hypotension. So all in all, the authors here, Ong et al. 2023, proposed that low-dose oral minoxidil doesn't really produce clinically significant changes in systolic or diastolic blood pressures in males or females. I thought this was an interesting study. It really complements Sanabria's 2022 study and the Jimenez 2022 study. The authors here propose that low-dose oral minoxidil in these 151 patients doesn't really affect blood pressure in a clinically significant way. I think there's several parameters that I really like to see in studies of blood pressure, and that is whether or not patients have palpitations and whether or not it affects heart rate, and whether there are episodes of tachycardia. I think that studies that just look at blood pressure miss out on a couple of key things, and that is that 
sometimes blood pressure over two time points doesn't change. But patients come into clinic and say, I get these annoying palpitations. And sometimes they need to stop or reduce the dose because of palpitations. And so it is possible for blood pressure on two different occasions not to change. But a patient be troubled by palpitations. And it's possible that heart rate increases. And so we have to be aware of that. So when I see studies of blood pressure changes with oral minoxidil, I really like to look at whether patients had palpitations, whether heart rate changed, and what other side effects were, were present. The data on oral minoxidil and heart rate is kind of all over the place. Some studies suggest not much of a change. Some studies suggest an increase in heart rate. Some studies have even suggested a decrease in heart rate. I think as we go about looking at oral minoxidil, we really should study heart rate as well. This study was a very large study, 151 patients, Ong et al. 2023. The landmark studies of blood pressure in our field are the Sanabria study, 2022 with 34 patients, and the Jimenez study of 10 patients. So here we have 151 patients. This is a great study. Half were female, 60% were female, and half of the female patients were using 2.5 milligrams. I was really intrigued by that. The mean dose was 1.9 milligrams in females, but, but the median dose was 2.5 milligrams. It's really encouraging that blood pressure doesn't really change in females with these doses. But I am curious to know how it was tolerated, and I don't get that in this study, what proportion had heart palpitations and what the heart rate did. There were about 40 female patients in this study here that were using 2.5 milligrams. And so I'm really curious to know about palpitations and, and other side effects like fluid retention, weight gain, insomnia, hypertrichosis. There's a lot of women in North America that are being prescribed 2.5 milligrams. And I'm very interested in data on 2.5 milligrams because in my clinic, and I treat hundreds of patients with oral minoxidil, I have a lot of problems with 2.5 milligrams of, with women using 2.5 milligrams. There is a lot of fluid retention. There is a lot of swollen ankles. There is a lot of weight gain. There is a lot of fluid around the eyes. There is, you know, hypertrichosis and other side effects as well. I'm not a great fan of 2.5 milligrams. I have hundreds of patients on 1.25, lots of patients on 1.875, lots of patients on 0.625. I probably have 10 patients total on 2.5 milligrams simply because we see side effects occurring and I'm very cautious of this dose. So... When I have studies that show patients on 2.5 milligrams, my feeling is, oh, I want to see all the data. I want to see how did they tolerate it? What was the proportion of patients with fluid retention and heart rate problems and tachycardia and palpitations and insomnia and swelling under the eyes and swelling in the feet and weight gain of two pounds and one pound and eight pounds? And of course, we don't always get that in these studies. This was a study in blood pressure measurements, so that's what it deals with. But it's encouraging that blood pressure isn't affected in women and not really affected in males except in patients 35 to 49 who are male 
where they had a slight reduction in blood pressure that really wasn't clinically significant. This study does differ from Sanabria et al., where oral minoxidil in Sanabria's study decreased systolic blood pressure by 3 millimeters of mercury, decreased diastolic blood pressure by 2. That was with 5 milligrams. Here, the doses of oral minoxidil in the Ong et al. study were less. Around 2 milligrams was the dose. So we move on now to a nice study by Imhoff et al. Safety and tolerability of low-dose oral minoxidil monotherapy in female pattern hair loss. A retrospective review with longitudinal ambulatory blood pressure monitoring. JAD International, August 2023. Continuing our theme today of oral minoxidil. I really like this study. Here, focusing on female patients. The key conclusion is no major changes in blood pressure with oral minoxidil. So a number of studies in the last few years have looked at oral minoxidil in women with androgenetic alopecia. In 2020, we reviewed a nice study by Ramos and colleagues from Brazil. That was a very nice study, randomized study looking at one milligram of oral minoxidil compared to 5% topical minoxidil. So let's review now the study by Ramos, just briefly, the study from JAD 2020. It was a study of 52 female patients, 26 receiving 1 milligram of oral minoxidil, and 26 receiving 5% topical minoxidil once daily. The authors showed similar improvement at 24 weeks. However, side effects differed. Patients receiving one milligram of oral minoxidil had a higher incidence of edema, higher incidence of hypertrichosis, heart rate increased by six beats per minute in those receiving one milligram of oral minoxidil. Patients receiving topical minoxidil had a higher incidence of scalp itching. So we turn now to the study by Imhoff et al. in JAD International in August 2023. It was a study looking at the effect of low-dose oral minoxidil on blood pressure in female patients with female pattern hair loss. The authors performed a retrospective review of adult patients at Mayo Clinic treated with oral minoxidil. Small study, 25 patients, mean age of 61, but a range of 28 to 77. So a significant number of patients in older age groups. Oral minoxidil was used at 0.625 milligrams, 1.25 milligrams, and 2.5 milligrams. 40% of patients were treated with 2.5 milligrams. 52% were treated with 1.25 milligrams. The duration of treatment in this study was short. 6.2 months was the mean duration, and it ranged from 4 to 11 months. So very short follow-up, and that's important. Oral minoxidil helped about 36% of patients improve their density. The authors here, Imhoff et al., 2023, showed a mean decrease in systolic blood pressure of 3 millimeters of mercury, diastolic blood pressure dropped by 1.4 millimeters of mercury, and heart rate increased by 4 beats per minute. So it's a small study and a short study. Duration of follow-up was under one year. 40% of patients had some benefit. 
Not all that dissimilar to topical minoxidil, but this isn't a comparative trial of how oral minoxidil and topical minoxidil compares, so we can't really comment on that. But we have to keep in mind at all times that for many patients, low-dose oral minoxidil isn't necessarily better than topical minoxidil. It's just different. And in fact, as we go about thinking about oral minoxidil in women, we have to remember Gupta's study from this year showing us that 5% minoxidil twice daily is probably better than 1 milligrams of oral minoxidil, uh, according to that network meta-analysis that Dr. Gupta did that we reviewed. So in some cases, topical minoxidil can be better than oral minoxidil. Uh, it just depends on the dose and the concentration that we're talking about. But what I really liked about the Imhoff et al. study here is the number of patients in older age groups. I rarely use low-dose oral minoxidil in patients 75, 80, 85. And so I was intrigued to see that the mean age of patients was 61 years in this study, and there were patients 77 years of age in this study. I don't find in my clinic the patients 75, 80 tolerate oral minoxidil all that well. Some do, of course, but at a much lower frequency than in patients that are 20 and 25 and 30. And so I'm a little more reluctant to prescribe oral minoxidil in patients 70, 75, 80. As I mentioned before, I'm not a great fan of 2.5 milligrams of oral minoxidil in female patients. I use a lot of oral minoxidil, a lot of 1.25 milligram, 1.875 milligram, 0.625 milligram. I don't use much 2.5 milligram dosing in female patients. Some of my patients on 2.5 milligrams, female patients I'm talking about here, do well, but a lot of patients get fluid retention, weight gain, swelling around the face, uh, hypertrichosis. It's just not acceptable and other side effects. So I find that patients in my practice tolerate 1.25, 1.875 milligrams quite well, even lower doses quite well, and we get some pretty nice results. I'm a little more reluctant to, to go up to 2.5 milligrams, and I never start 2.5 milligrams as a starting dose. So this study here by Imhoff et al. was a short study, mean treatment duration of six months. Some were treated with just four months of oral minoxidil, so very short duration of follow-up. It's hard to know after four months if all the side effects are going to occur. It can take six to nine months to figure out if patients are going to benefit. And so this study may have underestimated side effects and it may have underestimated benefits, particularly benefits. If it takes six to nine months to see and realize benefits, especially if a patient has increased their dose recently and the mean duration of follow-up was uh, six months, then we may not have realized all the benefits of oral minoxidil in this study. So it might be higher than 40%. It's really important that heart rate increases by four beats per minute. The data on heart rate, heart rate is all over the place in the oral minoxidil literature. I think it's important that oral minoxidil increases heart rate. In healthy people, probably not a big deal, but I think it's important. We don't have a full understanding of what the implications are of increases in heart rate of four to five, six beats per minute in patients. I think right now the data in oral minoxidil just 
puts that those numbers out there and there's no comments about it and we don't know what to do with it. And we just have to be aware that we don't know what to do with this. Healthy patients with slight increases in heart rate, no big deal. But we don't know what 40 years of that does. So we need to keep publishing this. We need to keep thinking about this. Probably doesn't have a lot of implication, but the reality is we don't know. So we move on now to our final study, a nice study by Jimenez. Safety of low-dose oral minoxidil in patients with hypertension and arrhythmia, a multicenter study of 264 patients. So prior studies have looked at low-dose oral minoxidil and safety. A nice study by Dr. Vanyo Jad, 2021, looked at 1,404 patients. And a nice study, again, by Sanabria in 2021, looked at 435 patients. And these two authors performed very nice studies, which are really key papers in our oral monoxidal literature, looking at the frequency of hypertrichosis, headaches, edema, swelling, palpitations. The data differs in Sanabria's study and Avanyo's study slightly, not a lot, but anywhere from 15 to 54% of patients experience hypertrichosis with oral minoxidil. Anywhere from 0.4% to 10% have headaches. Pedal edema in anywhere from 1% to 9%. Palpitations in anywhere from 1% to 4%. This very nice study now by Jimenez looks at the use of oral minoxidil in patients with hypertension and arrhythmia. And provides us with reassuring data that most patients with hypertension and arrhythmia can be prescribed oral minoxidil. And we'll take a look at the specifics. So this was a retrospective multicenter study in patients with hypertension or arrhythmia treated with oral minoxidil for any type of hair loss. Patients treated with oral minoxidil for hair loss of any cause for at least a month were included in this study, and patients came from five centers in Brazil and Spain. There were 254 patients with hypertension, 176 women, 78 men. Mean age of patients was 56.9 years, range 19 to 82 Patients received anywhere from zero to five antihypertensive drugs. Some patients weren't on any antihypertensive drugs. Some patients were on five. The mean number of drugs was 1.45. The most frequent drug class was the angiotensin II receptor blockers. 50% were on those. Thiazides in 30%, beta blockers in 30%, ACE inhibitors in 20%, calcium channel blockers in 16%. Spironolactone in 7%, hydralazine in 1%, and doxazosin in 0.7%. 60% were on one blood pressure drug, 327 were on two drugs, 7% were on three or more, and 1% of patients were on no medications for blood pressure. The mean dose of oral minoxidil in this study was 1.59 milligrams, and the mean duration of treatment was 11 months. All in all, 
Systemic side effects were observed in 7% of patients. Side effects included lightheadedness in 3%, fluid retention in 3%, malaise in 1%, tachycardia in 1%, and headaches in 0.5%. And low-dose oral minoxidil needed to be stopped in about 2% of patients. And side effects improved when doses were stopped or reduced, and there were no life-threatening side effects in this study. What were the factors that predicted that a patient needed to stop their drug? Patients who received three or more antihypertensive drugs, or patients who received doxazosin, which causes arterial vasodilation, were more likely to need to stop their drug. In fact, patients that received three or more drugs had a higher risk of developing one or more side effects, had a higher chance of lightheadedness, malaise, with oral minoxidil. And prior treatment with doxazosin was associated with not only a higher chance of needing to stop oral minoxidil, but a higher risk of lightheadedness, malaise, fluid retention. So the authors here compared their data from the Vanyo 2021 study of 1,404 patients and found that, for the most part, side effects in patients with hypertension were pretty similar to the general population, except a slightly higher risk of systemic side effects and a slightly higher risk of lightheadedness and fluid retention. Not a lot, but a very slight risk. In patients with hypertension, systemic side effects occurred in 7% of patients compared to 5.5% in the general population from the 2021 Vanyo study. Lightheadedness occurred in 3.1% of patients with hypertension compared to 1.7% in the general population. And fluid retention occurred in 2.6% of patients with hypertension compared to 1.6% in the Vanyo study. So pretty similar. Not only did these authors here look at patients with hypertension, they looked at patients with arrhythmia, including patients with supraventricular extrasystole, atrial fibrillation, sinus tachycardia, cardiac syncope, as well as three patients with unknown arrhythmias. Systemic side effects were observed in only one patient, and that was a patient with supraventricular extrasystoles who was treated with carvedilol, and this patient had periorbital and pedal edema with a one milligram dose of oral minoxidil, and this swelling resolved when the dose was reduced to 0.25 milligrams. None of the nine patients had palpitations. None of the nine patients had worsening of their arrhythmia or any heart side effects. And so this was encouraging data. So this is the first study of its kind, looking at the safety of oral minoxidil in patients with hypertension, or arrhythmia that were being treated for hair loss. Really important to have this kind of data. Hypertension occurs in about a third of the adult population, so there's going to be a lot of patients that come into clinic with hair loss who are looking for treatment options and happen to have hypertension as well. And so how does oral minoxidil fit in? Well, the vast majority of patients will tolerate oral minoxidil just the same way you would use it in a patient without hypertension. There were two side effects that were more common, 
and that was a very slight increased risk of fluid retention and a very slight increased risk of lightheadedness. And some patients with lightheadedness and tachycardia do need to stop their drug and adjust their dose. Lightheadedness occurred in about 7% of patients, and some patients did need to stop their drug. The authors here provide some very helpful recommendations on how to go about prescribing low-dose oral minoxidil to patients with hypertension and arrhythmia. They propose that most patients with hypertension can start low-dose oral minoxidil without referral to a cardiologist, and starting the oral minoxidil at bedtime limits the chances of postural hypotension. The authors here propose that we need to exercise caution in patients with hypertension that are using three or more drugs for their blood pressure, as well as patients using doxazosin, as well as patients with poorly controlled hypertension or poorly controlled rhythm disturbances. Patients may benefit from referral to a cardiologist as well as an EKG if there's any concerns. And blood pressure monitoring is probably warranted when oral minoxidil is started if there is concerns about blood pressure and patients are using blood pressure medications. The authors here remind us that some patients probably st shouldn't start oral minoxidil at all, and those are patients with prior heart attacks, heart failure, especially those with reduced ejection fraction, valvular disease, pericardial disease, kidney disease. Those are patients that probably shouldn't start oral minoxidil. And of course, if that is the only option, referral to a cardiologist is probably very, very important before starting this particular drug. And they provide these recommendations in their paper in some very helpful charts. So I really liked these three studies we reviewed today, the study by Ong and colleagues in the JAD in October. 151 patients, both male and female, showing us that blood pressure didn't change all that much before and after starting oral minoxidil. The exception was a slight drop in diastolic blood pressure in males aged 35 to 49. Very slight, clinically insignificant drop. We reviewed the NICE study by Imhoff et al. in JAD International from August 2023, small study of 25 patients, telling us that systolic blood pressure did drop in female patients by about 3 millimeters of mercury, diastolic blood pressure by 1.4 millimeters of mercury, and heart rate increased by about 4 beats per minute and reminds us of the similar increase that was observed in the 2020 study by Ramos of 26 female patients treated with one milligram of oral minoxidil. And so there is some data out there suggesting an increase in heart rate in patients treated with low-dose oral minoxidil. And finally, we talked about the NICE study by Jimenez in August 2023 issue of Actus Dermocephaliographicus, showing us that we can use oral minoxidil in patients with hypertension and arrhythmia here using oral minoxidil in 254 patients with hypertension and nine patients with arrhythmia, showing us that oral minoxidil was pretty well tolerated. Very slight increase in 
issues like lightheadedness, fluid retention, malaise, fatigue, headaches, but for the most part, it was fairly similarly tolerated to patients in the general population. Very slight increased risk of systemic side effects compared to what we might see in the general population, and a very slight increased risk of fluid retention and lightheadedness, but only slightly compared to what we might see in the general population. So that's it for this week. We're back next week talking about studies in central centrifugal cicatricial alopecia. And I hope you'll join me then for another episode of the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. To connect with our office, to learn more about our training programs at the Donovan Hair Academy, you can email us at info at donovanhairacademy.com. And for those of you who are interested in joining me for the 2024-2025 Evidence-Based Hair fellowship training program. I remind you that we're just four weeks away from the deadline to apply. Contact us at info at donovanhairacademy.com for more information. You can connect with us on Twitter or X, on Instagram, on Facebook with the Donovan Medical handle. The donovanmedical.com website has lots of great articles, a decade worth of great stuff. You can subscribe to our blog articles to stay up to date on the world of hair loss as it happens. Our weekly question of the week is a great way to think about hair loss problems in ways you might not have thought about. Question of the week is published weekly on our website, and you can check out our website on the DonovanMedical.com website for upcoming webinars. I'll say goodbye for now. I look forward to seeing you back next week for another episode of the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. Thanks for joining me today.